We're going to take our text tonight from the book of 2 Kings. Um, but while you're turning there, I want to say tonight uh, how blessed we've been at FPC. The Lord's been giving us growth. We decided we're going to grow this church one way or the other. And uh, I, got, I got this going to sound a little odd at first, but hear me out. I got to cuddle a little bit the other night with one of our new members. Sister Miriam, uh, we've been so glad to have her in the house of the Lord. And all I can say, Emma and Roe, you did a good job. Amen. Let me, let me see if I can get it right. Miriam Rosalina, is that right? Miriam Rosalina, it's so cute. And then Saxon is about 24 hours old. How many days are we right now? Six days old in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, I love having these babies in the house of the Lord. Isn't it awesome? Praise God. Folks that look at me probably think I'm half crazy most of the time for more reasons than this, I guess. But I walk by all these babies and make faces and smile and laugh and cut up. I love, I love getting them started young, serving the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to 2 Kings tonight, 2 Kings chapter 13, if you would please, 2 Kings chapter 13, and uh, verse number 14. I don't do this a whole, whole lot, uh, but I do, I want to say this tonight because I'm so, I'm so proud of what the Lord's doing in his life, but uh, uh I just want to say uh, how proud I am of our young people and, and uh, our school kids. And, and today uh, is Noah's birthday. Uh, he, was, uh, he was the only student that got to leave school early today, and it was an exception. So uh, don't be playing hooky tomorrow. Uh, I, I just need a couple of folks to help me catch him after church. We're going to give him 15 good whoopings. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Second, 2 Kings chapter 13. He's hard to catch. He never stands still. If you're there, say amen. amen. God's doing great things in our young people. I'm telling you. They're hungry for the Lord. Verse 14. Now, Elisha was fallen sick of the sickness whereof he died. I hope that first line encourages you tonight. <laughs> Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, and it was the sickness that took him out. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face, and he said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Now put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand upon it. 
And then Elisha took his hands and put them on the king's hands. And he said to him, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote three times and stopped. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, You should have smitten five or six times. Then you would have smitten Syria till thou had consumed it. Whereas now you're only going to smite Syria but three times. And Elisha died. And they buried him. As the man of God was departing from this earth, the king came to him. And in his parting, his parting conversation with him, he began to teach him how to win. How to be victorious. But somehow, and, and I'm going to get ahead of myself to come back and we'll, we'll come back to this. But somehow... Between the inspiration, somebody say the inspiration, and the execution, there was something lost in the translation. When there should have been excitement at victory that lied ahead, the scripture said that when the man took the arrows, I know some of you got nervous when I walked in with that tonight, you're like, what is this guy doing? He said, I want you to take the arrows in your hand. The future victories that you're going to have are the potential that's in your hand. But we need to understand tonight the power of execution. The power of execution. Let's pray. God, we honor your name tonight. and We need you and we bless you. I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. God, we have sought after your heart, and I believe we've heard your heart. God, we've sought after your mind, and I believe that you have given us the mind of God tonight. I pray, Lord, that the good seed would find good soil. Let the name of Jesus be glorified in this place tonight. And for this, we'll give you the praise and the thanks and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, let the church say amen. amen. Look at somebody and say, I hope he don't shoot me with them things. You can be seated. We have, uh, we have a lot of resources in this church that we access by, by people. People are, are the most powerful commodity in the world because of the giftings that you bring to the table. And everybody in here has a little different gift. But when I want to know something about bows and arrows, I don't go to a purse store. I go find Brother Tony, and uh, I told him tonight, I said, I was, I was going to have you bring a, a, a traditional bow, but I thought, man, just about the time I walk up on that platform with a bow, 
Somebody's going to freak out and say, Pastor has lost his ever-loving mind. So I thought I'd just bring the arrows and see how much fear I could put in the hearts of these young people tonight. That if they don't straighten up. Now, I know these are for shooting, but let me tell you what. My mother taught me a neat gift. Not everything has to be used for what it was created for. I believe, I believe these would work. Now, you can fill in whatever you think I'm talking about, but I, I think some of you get the drift. I believe they'd work. Now, this is a powerful story because it is the, it is the end of the life and legacy that, to be quite honest with you, uh, leaves somewhat of a taste of sadness in my mouth when I read of the death of Elisha. I feel like, um, I don't have time to just get stuck on this, but I, I feel like there is such a powerful principle in this story because right after his passing, of course, they throw him into a grave and when his bones touch the bones of the dead man, the Bible said he came back to life and we, we know if you have studied the ministry of Elisha that this is the completion of the double portion of the prophet Elijah and I think it's very sad that we go from Elijah to Elisha in the double portion generation and then when Elisha dies it's over his life was poured out as a gift offering before God but there was nobody to take that mantle and run with it it's like Elisha was the last of the generation that would pick the mantle up off the ground smite the waters and continue to walk in it and uh, there's so many ways that we could go with this and so many things that we could discuss but I do want you to understand young people tonight it is incumbent upon you in the hour in which we live to be certain that whatever you have to do to grab hold of old-fashioned mantles we cannot afford for this message to die in the ground and stand around in amazement because one more miracle happens. Have you ever wondered what would have happened if somebody would have took the mantle off? I, that, I believe it was the mantle on Elisha that when Elisha touched the dead man, it was the mantle on Elisha that raised the dead man because it was a double portion of what Elijah had. I believe it was the mantle that was on him. But it, it's sad to me that the mantle was buried in the ground with the prophet. Anybody hear what I'm saying tonight? And so because Elisha, it's up for debate as to whether or not he poured himself out into another generation or the other generation got stuck and refused to pick it up. Nonetheless, I'm telling you that this thing needs to be as strong as it's ever been when the Lord comes back. When Jesus comes back, I don't believe he's looking for a church that's losing steam. I believe he's looking for a church that's getting stronger by the day. You're looking at a man that does not believe we're going out of here weak and feeble and anemic. I believe when the trumpet sounds, we're going to be a powerful church. I believe when the trumpet sounds, we're going out of here in victory. I don't believe we're going to cross the finish line beat up and bruised and black-eyed from the Antichrist. I believe we're going to walk out of here triumphant in victory. Am I preaching to anybody victorious tonight?
And so, nonetheless, the prophet is laying on his deathbed, and he is sick with the sickness. It was the big one. It was, <laughs> it was the last one. When I was a boy, uh, what was that? What was that old uh, comedian's name? Red Fox was that his name? He said this is the big one, Elizabeth. Every every time every time he got in trouble, he'd sit back, and hold his chest. He's oh, this is the big one, Elizabeth. Never was a big one, but he thought it was. Well, listen, this was the big one. This was what whatever the sickness was. It was the one that took him out. But on his deathbed, the Bible said that King Joash came to him, asking to be imparted with wisdom, if you would, at the, at the uh, exit, the departing of the great prophet of the Lord. And it's so powerful. If you read over it quickly, you'll miss this. But the prophet of the Lord is pouring something into this king that is so valuable and so powerful. The last thing that he says to him could have been anything. It could have been be kind to people. It, it could have been I want you to have more than any king's ever had. It could have been I hope you have wealth. I hope you have long life. But when he came and wept over Elisha and said, oh, my father, the prophet told the king, he said, pick up the bow and the arrows. Why did he do that? He said, because on my exit, I want to be sure that the kingdom is postured for victory. He said, I want you to understand, Joash, we're not the kind of people that sit down. We're not the kind of people that quit. He said, I'm on my way out of here, and I know your heart's going to be troubled when I die. But when I die, don't you lay there and mourn. He said, when I go out, I want to know that you've got a bow and an arrow in your hand. And you are postured in a position that when the enemy comes in God's people, we're not going to sit down, but we're going to fight. And we're going to fight with everything that's in us. He said, I want you to pick up the bow and the arrow. And he picked it up. He said, now put your hands on it. I'd been shooting for several years, but I, I didn't consider myself an archer, still don't. I mean, I, I love to shoot. I'm not really all that great. I mean, from about 75 yards, I can shoot a deer through the eyeball when he blinks and hit his eyelid, but not really. Uh, I'd been shooting for a little while, but I needed, I needed some pointers. Man, you know, I thought, hey, I'm doing good. I've learned on my own. And I, I walked out to Katewi. And there the archer master walked up to me and he said, Daniel, son. Brother Tony walked out. He said, shoot a few for me. I said, okay. I pulled my bow up. He said, hang on just a second. I'm like, bruh, haven't even shot anything yet. He said, hold on just a second. He said, move the bow over to kind of the fat part of your hand right there. He said, I get in a little rotation when you're shooting. I was like, yeah, I was just getting comfortable. <laughs> thank, God, thank God for gracious people, you know. But it's because I move my hand that I can shoot through the eyelid when they close their eye. That's, that's how we do it. The king picks up the bow and the arrows. 
And the prophet of the Lord said, put your hands on it, son. He's, and, and you don't see this because it's written words. So I want you to walk into the story with me. I don't believe the old prophet's laying there and said, put your hands on it. I believe that old prophet pointed his crooked finger. He said, right there, put your hands on it. I want you to take it. Anybody in here know people that talk with their hands? I'm just telling you right now. I know some folks, if they cut their hands off, they couldn't talk. And the prophet was telling him, go, come on. No, put your, put your hands on it. And finally, just like any good old preacher worth, worth his salt does, the Bible said that the king put his hands on it, and then the prophet got up and put his hands on his hands. You know what we need? We need a generation that doesn't mind the old prophets of the Lord putting their hands on us. Oh, I wish I could preach this in here tonight. We need a generation. Can I preach this right now? We need a generation that when the men of God start to put their hands on them, they don't say, no, I know what I'm doing. We need to be open to a voice of correction. This says if we're going to be victorious, we're going to do it the same way the old men did it. The prophet of God put his hands on that king. And it, it was to me, you can say whatever you, you want, but to me it was symbolic of the prophet of the Lord saying, I want you to hold it the right way so that when people look at you, they know where you came from. They know what kind of stock you came from. They know that you're not just some fool grabbing hold of a weapon, but you are a man of war, and you know how to manipulate the weapon. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This generation ought to be as sharp as they've ever been. When we step up to a pulpit and open up our mouth, I want the world to know what camp we come out of. When you open up your Bible and start to teach the word of God, I want the world to know there was a prophet that had his hands on me. There was a man of God that had his hands on my life. Oh, if I had time to preach that tonight. I thank God for our elders. I think I made some nervous the other night because I, I, I was preaching out west and I stopped right in the middle of my sermon and I, I said, I'm going to address the elders right now. And man, I felt the room get tight. They thought I was getting ready to preach at them. But I told them, I said, elders, whatever you do, don't stop talking now. If we've ever needed your voice, we need your voice right now. Hey, I'm telling you tonight, you're looking at a man who's grateful for the voice of our bishop. You're looking at a man that's grateful for the voice of our elders in this church. You young people ought to watch the elders in this church pray. And don't let them out pray you. Don't let them out worship you. Come on, young people. It's a shame when our elders are out worshiping our young people. He put his hands on him. And he said, this is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to overcome. This is how you're going to be victorious. He said to him, he said, now open up the window eastward. Why does that matter? Because he didn't just tell him to open up a random window. There was clarity in the direction. The direction was specific. I want to tell you tonight 
that when it comes to the work of the kingdom of God, we don't just work through random windows. I still believe it as strong as I've ever believed it. That there's only one way in. I still believe it as strongly as I've ever believed it. We've got to be as specific as we've ever been. You must repent of your sins. You got to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin. And you got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I still believe there's only one door. Jesus said, I am the door. And if any man comes in any other way, he is a thief and he is a robber. Folks, I want to tell you, there are not a million pathways to God. You don't pick your own path to God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. I know in this old world that we live in, Everybody's trying to find their own path. Oprah says your, your path to God is within you and God is who you want him to be. It may be the truth in her mind, but it's not the truth in this universe. I want to tell you that the God you want him to be is not the same God that created the heavens and the earth and stretched the earth by himself. I'm glad to tell you that he is God alone. He is God all by himself. He doesn't have a council that he goes to to discuss how much God he can be. He is as powerful as he's ever been. Woo! We got to be specific to the next generation of what we're going to do and what we're going to be. I think we need to let this generation know if you're going to open up that window, it had better have Acts 2.38 on it. It better have Deuteronomy 6 and 4 on it. Come on, I'm talking about a window that says confession is not enough. I'm talking about a window that says believing is not enough. We need to open up the window of Acts 19 that says, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I want this world to know that there is only one way in, and that's the way we're going to go. If you believe it, shout yes. It matters how you execute. There is power in execution. Now stay with me. He said, I'm going to put my hands on you. And I'm going to show you how to do this. And he said, I'm going to tell you which window to open up. Are you with me? He said, now shoot the arrow. This guy's bossy. The old prophet's bossy. Because he's specific. He said, look, pick it up. Put your hands on it. Grab the arrows. Open the window. Shoot. I know. I know. In this generation, we get tired of hearing it over and over and over and over. I don't ever get sick of hearing clear direction. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I don't ever get sick of hearing clear direction. And I'm going to show you why. He said, shoot it. And he shot it. And he said, that was the arrow of deliverance. Now, you didn't know when you shot that arrow that it was the arrow of deliverance. But let me ask you this. What would have happened if in his arrogance he would have taken that arrow and just opened up whatever window he wanted and just shot? The prophet knew it was the arrow of deliverance. Oh, God, I want to help somebody get this tonight. 
The prophet knew it was the arrow of deliverance. And the prophet knew what enemy was going to come against them. But when we got people just taking random shots in the dark. Because they know better. And they know the way. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? The prophet of the Lord knew something. It was important that the king shot in the direction that the prophet told him to shoot. Because that was the direction that the enemy was going to come from. We don't need prophetic voices in this end time that are going to lick their finger and stick it up in the wind. See which way the wind's blowing and prophesy in that direction. We need some prophetic voices in this hour that's going to say that is the direction that the trouble's coming from. That is the direction. Oh, you hear me tonight? Hey, I'm standing on the wall to tell you tonight, if you live your life distracted and disconnected from the presence of God, that's the direction that the enemy's going to destroy your family from. Um, help us. Instead of the king getting upset, of the prophet identifying problems and issues and enemies. He obeyed and shot in that direction. There was a time maybe in your life that when the preacher preached against certain enemies in your life, it would make you uncomfortable because you liked that enemy. But as you grow in grace and you grow in purpose, you realize the things that you used to embrace, you can't embrace anymore. And when the preacher gets up and preaches, we don't go there and we don't do that and we don't talk like that and we don't wear that and we don't act like that it's not because we want control it's because we know where the enemy is this is not about manipulation this is not about manipulating feelings the prophet told him which way to shoot because that's where the trouble was he said King, if you're going to be victorious, you're going to have to win a battle. And this is the enemy that's going to come against you. I'm standing here to tell you tonight that the spirit of this age is doing everything it can to distract us. Doing everything it can to destroy us. But I'm standing in an open window tonight to tell you we're shooting in the direction of the spirit of this world. Oh, yes. You hear people say, man, there's so many things to preach. I don't know why pastor's always preaching on that. I don't know why pastor is always talking about that. I'm going to tell you why we're always preaching. I want to tell you why bishop is always harping on it. I want to tell you why the voices in this pulpit over the last 55 plus years that my family's been connected here, every evangelist that's come through, every prophet, the reason why we keep saying the same thing is because we want you to know who your enemy is and we want you to know where your enemy's coming from if we're going to take shots tonight we're not going to shoot at our brother when come on somebody we're going to shoot in the direction of our enemy what are you saying pastor let me just preach it to you i don't want hollywood babysitting my children i don't want nickelodeon raising my babies i don't want disney being a voice in my children's ear 
I don't want the gods of this world and perversion and sexuality and, 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 and wokeness and sickness. I don't want that being what's in the minds of my children. I'm not shooting at the person. I'm shooting at the spirit tonight. And I've come to tell you that the church will be victorious. I don't want my kids' lives being filled with their favorite ball players. I want, I want their hearts filled with the Word of God. I want their hearts filled with life-giving sources. There was a time that I had respect for athletes at least. But those days are gone. I don't have any respect for people. That live the way some of these folks live. And then we let their voice go free in our lives. Oh God help us. We wonder, we wonder why our marriages are weak and struggling. Yet all through the week we'll entertain spirits. That attack the spirit of marriage. Wonder why our children are tormented with dreams and nightmares. Because when we let them go to bed, we don't think it'll affect them. Because we're in the other room and we'll let spirits of fear creep in through the portals of television and, 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 and movies and film. I know I'm preaching. I'm pushing against that spirit tonight. I want to tell you that just because your kids go to sleep, it does not mean that they are not aware of what's going on in the spirit world. Come on, can I preach to you tonight? Can I love you as your pastor and tell you we've got to shoot in a specific direction? Wonder why, wonder why. Wonder why they deal with the things they deal with. Yet we open up our homes and invite it to come in. God help us. Folks, listen. I'm being as serious as I've ever been. I've got the word of the Lord on the door of my house. Literally. It's attached to the door of my house. When you walk in the door of my house, I've got, I've got a mezuzah right there on my door with a scroll in it. Deuteronomy 6. It's right there on my door. When I walk in, when I walk in, I say, Lord, I thank you for your word. When I walk out the door, I say, thank you for your word. Let your word cover me. Listen, I've got the word on my home. So I'm not interested and turning on all the bad news because there's really no such thing as good news anymore. I'm not interested in letting bad news run in my house while good news is on the door. I feel like preaching in here tonight. I've been in this sanctuary today getting a hold of God and I felt like I needed to come up here tonight and shoot an arrow in a specific direction. I've come to tell you that the spirits of this day and age that we live in right now are nothing but confusion. Nothing. There's a spirit of fear gripping the hearts of people. You know, people can call you whatever, whatever they want. People used to say we're conspiracy theorists. Now all they say is we're right. Banks closing down. You, you do know that's to incite fear in the hearts of people. To make you afraid. 
I, I get it. I said, Pastor, what are we going to do if they shut the bank down? Well, if yours gets shut down, everybody's will. And we're going to have to come back to a sure foundation. But Pastor, Pastor, what do we have to go without? Hang on, time out. We got to come back. I'm going to shoot a specific arrow. Matter of fact, I'm putting the arrow in your hand tonight. And you're going to shoot this arrow in a specific direction. I feel like telling you tonight, I have never... I was young, now I'm older, but I've never, oh, I feel my help in here. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. You need to shoot that arrow in a specific direction. We will not cave. Well, I'm going to take my money and hide it and put it away. I'm not, I, I, can't, I, I, I can't pay my tithe no more. I can't give to the kingdom no more. What if all the banks shut down? I'm telling you right now, if there's ever been a time that you've been faithful to the word of God, now would be a good time. Why, why, why is that, Pastor? Because, you know, listen, I'm going to tell you why. Because everybody loves to preach the blessing of Malachi 3. They love to preach the blessing of it. That God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. But don't forget the rest of it. He said, if you'll be faithful in your tithe, not only will he bless you. He said, I'll keep the devourer away from your door. I don't care what TV preachers have made it. Tithing is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's, a, it's in the Word of God. It's covenant with God. If you'll be faithful to God, you, you don't have to worry about the devourer. You don't, you, woo! I love to see the way God's people responded. When the big C word came along a few years ago, it was so funny to watch. And I'm not, I'm not saying this begrudging. I'm not saying this mean at all. I'm being sincere. There were people that hadn't been faithful to the Lord for a long time, and they're giving that when the old C word hit, man, I'm telling you, they started paying them tithes, started giving and offerings, and I was like, man. That's all it took? <laughs> you know, some people can look at that and look down their nose and say, well, they deserve. No, 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 no. L listen. That's the response God's looking for. Because when the world went crazy, the church said, I believe I'm just going to put my trust in the Lord. <laughs> can I ask you tonight? Is there any more sure of a rock and foundation to plant your feet on than the Word of God? <laughs> Woo! Somebody shout yes. We've got to get specific with the direction that we're shooting. We've got to shoot in the direction of where the enemy is coming from. Folks, listen, I, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record tonight, but we've got to stop acting surprised when our children fall in love with things we've taught them to love. 
Well, I want some Bible for that. Okay, I'll give it to you. We don't even know her name. We do know the tragedy. As a matter of fact, she's even mentioned in the New Testament. In the teaching of Jesus, he said, you remember Lot's wife. You with me? Oh, what a shame. What a disaster. Lot's wife died. Yeah. Why did she die? Let's trace back through the story. His wife turned into a pillar of salt. Not when she was following after the priest of her home, leaving the city, but when she was following the priest and turned around and looked behind her. Is that right? What was it she was looking at? She was looking in the direction of what he taught her to love. And then, and then, it's devastating news to me. This gets deeper and deeper. Because he's being led out of the city by an angel that the Lord sent. Are you with me? An angel of the Lord has got a hold of their hand, but Sodom had a hold of her heart. What are you saying? I'm saying there's a time in your life when you finally cross over a certain place that even if an angel from heaven came, it's not enough to convince you that that is not what life's about. I know it's hard for us to get this because we weren't there. I want you to imagine this with me. This woman is walking out with her husband, her children. And there is literally, I'm not talking about maybe this could be allegorically speaking. No, I'm talking literally. An angel of the Lord had hold of their hand. Leading them out. How invested in the spirit of this present age do you have to be that an angel can't keep your attention? I'm going to start preaching with this all the time. I like it. My God, we've pointed to the north, the south, the east, the west. I'm up here whooping devils and they don't even know it. I have to start watching until Brother Michael and gets my hand. I just might, you know. Where, where do you have to be? I'm being sincere tonight. Where do you have to be when the best that heaven sends is not good enough for you anymore? Woo! I don't say this very often, but I know I'm preaching right now. There it is. Heaven sent. God sent direction. But there is a tug behind her that's stronger. Oh, God. The pull of the world was stronger than the direction of heaven. So I guess it leads to the question. How much are we willing to lose? And what are we willing to sacrifice just so we can be happy? Come on, somebody. I just can't imagine the powerless feeling that he had to have, Brother Stephen, when he turned around to that woman that he loved. 
that had bore their children, that had prepared meals and put them on the table and did his laundry and been a wife, and he turned around, and when he reached for her, she had turned to a pillar of salt. She was unrecognizable. She wasn't even made of the same substance that she used to be. I was in a conversation just recently. I actually had a conversation about that conversation tonight with Brother Snow before church. I was in a conversation about a pastor who's gone on to be with the Lord. But he was, he was pastoring a very successful church in my opinion. And his wife fell out of love with the Lord. And she told my friend that I was talking to, she said, you know, I used to be a good pastor's wife. But she said, I never did love it in my heart. And tonight, that man of God is dead and gone. Went on to his reward. And that lady lives in the same town as the church where they pastored at one time. With a live-in boyfriend. Now don't, don't be critical. Don't be judging. I'm not here to cast judgment. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying she's an unrecognizable substance. She don't. That's not the same woman. The structure of a soul begins to change. When we've been so used to being manipulated by the spirits of this world. I, let, me, let me preach it and fast forward. What used to be a heart of flesh now was just hard and salt. She couldn't feel anything anymore. It was over for her. It was done. And the Lord said, remember her. Don't forget her. Pastor, what are you doing? I'm giving you some pure direction, some clean direction tonight. We better start shooting arrows at things that we love just a little too much. Y'all know me, I, I try to be balanced. I try to live with balance. I ask my kids this in, in roundabout way through, the, through their life, through the years. Do you all think that I'm fair? Do you think that I'm a fair dad? Do you think that I'm a fair pastor? Do you think that we live with balance? I think that's important. I want my kids, I want my kids to see the same guy on Monday that they hear here on Sunday and Wednesday. You understand what I'm saying? I, I do my best to be balanced. And my family will tell you, I live everything I preach in this church. I live it. I don't just get up here and, and, and say things and then get away and say, Whoa, thank God we're on vacation. I can do what I want. Let me make it clear. This is what I want to do. I don't want to be anything else. I don't want to do anything else. I love this way of life. I love living for the Lord. There's no better life. No better life than living for the Lord. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, oh, God, help me get this out of my spirit. But I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, we'll let our families fall in love with things because we want them to be happy. Parents, I'm going to give you a sharp arrow of direction tonight. God did not bless you. The Bible says, not me, the Bible says, those babies are arrows in your quiver. You hear me? God did not give you arrows in your quiver for you to be their best friend. 
God gave you arrows in your quiver for you to give them clear direction until they're old enough to move out of your house. I, I, I say this tonight. Sweet, I'm not being silly. Uh, I'm not being facetious. I mean this. I'm, I'm being sincere. I did not have a choice. And thank God they, I never had to choose. But I did not have a choice in my house as to whether or not I came to prayer meeting. I didn't. I, it just, I didn't get up on Sunday and my dad said, hey, son. I think I'm going to go into the office, but just slip off, go play golf. They won't miss you today. Ooh, that arrow's getting sharp, ain't it? When I went to bed on Saturday night, I knew. It's not on the table. Sister Jenny, we, we never sat at the table and talked about that. I knew when I got up, I better get my scrawny self in the shower and start putting on my church clothes because we were going to the house of God. Somebody shout, period. The things that we give our kids options to right now, if the Lord withholds His coming, they probably won't even be discussed with your grandchildren. I know I'm preaching in here tonight. I feel it. Y'all love your pastor, don't you? But sometimes I got to get in here and open certain windows. So this is the one we're going to open. I want you to no, your hands are wrong. I want your hands right. Because if we're going to take the time to shoot it. Come on. Brother Tony, as you said to me yesterday, we're not going to dance around the X. We're going for the bullseye. Because I don't want to get to heaven, Brother Gray. And the Lord said, you almost made it. I can't believe you're leaving me, Brother Grisham. How many folks you reckon have stood before the Lord? That when they stood before him, he said, ah, you did too much. You reckon? You reckon there will ever be a soul that stands before God that he says, I appreciate you doing that, but you did too much. And because you did too much, I'm just going to ask you to take a hard left down there. Because there really is a place called purgatory. And I just want you to go hang out there until somebody bails you out. <laughs> the way I read it. Now, brother, I'm not a real smart man. But I read two things. I like this. I'm not, she's too mean. I'm not doing it. I read it two ways. Elder, I believe, I believe I see it the same way you've preached it all these years. I only see two things. Jesus said on that day, I'm either going to say to them, well, I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. He said, I'm either going to say to you, enter in. Woo! 
I want to hear that more than I want to hear good job. Are you hearing me? I want to hear that more than I want to hear you're my favorite preacher. He said, you're going to hear, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Or you're going to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. It's a specific arrow in a specific direction through a specific window for a certain time. The prophet said, you're going to need victory over this someday. So I want you to shoot in that direction. Oh, God help me. Because that's where the trouble's coming from. He said, yes, sir. When he shot it, he said, now I want you to know. What you just released was your arrow of deliverance. Well, I could preach that for a while if I had the time. Brother Raymond Woodward said, I've heard him say it several times, but he said it again last summer at camp meeting. Rocks my world. He teaches on holiness. He said, I know that some of you thought you'd been keeping holiness all these years. He said, but when you get done with all this, you're going to find out you thought you were keeping holiness, but really holiness was keeping you. (laughs) I believe that. It's specific. I want you to shoot it. He said, now we've identified, we've identified the trouble, we've identified the direction. But this time, oh, Jesus. This is why we're so specific with what we say and how we say it and how we preach it and why we preach it so often because we've got to get it in people's hearts. Because now on the next move, everybody say the next move. move. On the next move, there's no real clear direction. He just says to him, pick up them arrows. So he picks them up and he says, smite the ground. Right? Y'all with me? We read it tonight. Have I left the book? I I left the book. (laughs) I hope I didn't. Picked up those arrows and he said, what now, man of God? He said, smite the ground. King walks over and goes, ground? I don't really understand. Smite the ground? One, two, three. Turns around, Elisha's face is red, laying there on his deathbed. He's shaking his head. His lips are sealed up tight. He said, what's wrong with you? Listen, the first move he let him make without clear direction, he didn't realize it at the time. But the move that he had to make on his own, decision making, would decide the destiny of victory for their people. This was the test of how much victory they would have while he was king. And the prophet said, your execution was pitiful. He said, you got caught up. I'm fixing to preach to y'all right here. If we had wallpaper, it'd come off the walls right now. Because I'm fixing to preach to you about this right now. Just listen to me. 
We need people that have such conviction in their hearts in the end time church that the man of God doesn't have to stand over our shoulder giving us every conviction that we have. My prayer has always been that people in this church would live with conviction that's beyond what they've heard preached. This is not just about what's required of me. This is about how much victory I'm going to have. He said, Joash, you should have smoked the ground five or six times. He said, the execution that you had in your hand was how much victory will you have? We, oh God. Listen, I've done my best to be pure and holy. I don't think, I don't know. I, I can't really think of a time before the Lord that, that I've had anybody in this church just make me mad. You understand? What, like, I, I don't think I've ever had anybody in this church make me angry. But this made the prophet of the Lord angry. You know why he was angry? He said, because you just chose a destiny that was beyond the means that God had for you. But the power of your execution just determined the level of victory that you would have in the future of this kingdom. You know what? I've never despised anybody that comes to me and says, Pastor, you've never told me one time that I had to do it. But I went home and got every single DVD. Got every single magazine and book that I didn't need to have. There's people in this church that know what I'm talking about. This is how I was raised. We used to have barrel burnings. We'd have barrel burnings. People would bring pornography. They'd bring rock music. We'd light up the old 55-gallon drum. And I'm, you, you can think I'm crazy. Bishop will tell you it's the truth. Some of the stuff they've thrown in the fire... There was stuff that burned off of that that didn't look like the substance they threw in. Am I telling the truth? I've seen strange colors of smoke roll off of rock music CDs when they threw it in the fire. Well, now you're out there, Pastor. You can believe what you want to. I'm telling you, the influence is this world. You look at what rap music has done to this day and age. We I, I shouldn't even call it music. It ain't music. Sex, rape, murder, car theft. Driving down the road and they wonder why they're angry shooting cops. Because the song that they're listening to talks about shooting 5-0. Oh, it's harmless. I wish so bad that we'd get some folks in this day and age that just pick up the arrows and go to beating the ground. I'm talking about we're, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. We're going to have victory over it. And it's going to be perpetual victory. My daughter's not going to dress like that.
My kids aren't going to that dance. I'm done. Shatalamakata yondolo bashahaya. There's power in the way we execute this thing. We could just get up here and speak in generalities, you know. Lord, just want you to be happy and just do whatever makes brings your family joy. Friend, <laughs> God wants you to send a thousand dollars to this ministry. Sir, if I could preach back through that screen, I'd like to say to you, sir, God wants you to start pointing some arrows. God wants you to start pointing some people. Come on, somebody. Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Woo! As I close tonight, I got in the book of James this week. And I got, I got to reading so powerful. James chapter 4, verse number 7. This is a powerful scripture. I don't ever read this, teach this, or preach this, and I don't hear R.B. Bingham in my ear. But he used to tell me all the time, he'd say, we'd be driving down the road, and he'd start quoting this, Sister Jones. He'd say, everybody thinks all you got to do is just resist the devil. He said, we live in an age where everybody just resists all the time. Ooh, get away from me, devil. Get out of here, devil. Go, devil. He said, but if they pick up the word and read it, there's more to this thing than, than just your resistance. Because James said, look, I didn't write this. This is James. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, Period. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Period. Resistance without submission is powerless. You know what that leads to? Seven boys. Because their daddy knew the word. In the book of Acts they walked into a devil possessed man. They said get out. The devil screamed out and said, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? He said, you boys are trying to resist something, but you don't understand submission. If we're going to resist the devil in this hour, it's not just going to be by resistance to the devil. It's going to be first by submission to God. The things that God speaks in our spirit, the things that we feel when we pray, the conviction that God puts in our heart. We can't go back to what he delivered us from and still resist the devil. I'm closing, but I, I just want to ask this tonight. 
Do you really believe that God would ever give you permission to go back to something he delivered you from? Even if the preacher says, I've got a new revelation, we're not going to preach against it anymore. We're not going to preach that stuff anymore. So what we're saying then is that the Holy Ghost is a liar. Because the Holy Ghost said, if you're going to draw close to me, you're going to have to lay down that thing. You're going to have to lay down that addiction. You're going to have to lay down that spirit. Come on. Could we stand together tonight? You know what I'm going to do? As long as the Lord gives me strength. As long as the Lord gives me strength, Sister Sawyer. And I got health in my body. I'm going to stand in this pulpit. And I'm going to strike the ground. I'm going to keep on striking. Because the execution in our hands determines the kind of victory that this church is going to walk in in the kingdom age. I believe I'm with some people tonight that want to please the Lord. I believe I'm in a congregation of righteous people tonight that want to do what the Lord's been drawing us to do. Aren't you thankful that the Lord's still reaching for us? Come on, aren't you thankful the Lord's still reaching for us tonight? Young people, keep on striking. Sunday school teachers, keep on striking. Keep on smiting the ground. Don't you give up. Men, keep on striking the ground for your families. Ladies, if your husband's not doing it, go get in a prayer room and smite the ground till God smites that man's heart. I don't have time to to, to dig all this out, but I'm going to show you it's in the Word. Who would have ever thought that the destiny, the, the spiritual destiny of a kingdom would manifest in the actions of a man in the physical realm just by smiting the ground? What I did in my flesh determined the kind of victory that we would have in the Spirit. Are you following me? What I did in my flesh set the precedent for what God wanted to do in this kingdom. I feel tonight in the Holy Ghost that there is a call to deeper things that God has been allowing to rise up in our hearts and our spirit. We're not satisfied with shallow church. We're not satisfied with shallow preaching. We're not satisfied with shallow prayer. We're we're not just reading the the scripture every day so we can get our little check mark and say, ooh, I did my reading for the day. No, when we get in the book, we're saying, God, speak to me. My spirit is open to receive from you, Lord. I'm going to smite the ground today. What are you saying to me today? Anybody hungry for that? Come on, if you're hungry, I want you to stretch your faith and your hands towards the Lord right now. Woo! We're sick of shallow religion. We're not just going to church for the sake of religion. We're not just going because that's what our grandparents did. We're going because we're so hungry for God. We want to see revival in this church and revival in this city and revival in this nation. We want to see revival from New York to California. We want to see revival from Mexico to Canada. We want to see global harvest. Anybody hungry for it? Come on, I'm not just smiting the ground for my family. I'm smiting the ground for America. I don't believe God's finished with this nation yet. 
I'm smiting the ground for Canada tonight. I'm smiting the ground for revival in Mexico. I'm smiting the ground for revival in China. We're going to see revival. Let's give God great praise tonight, could we? Woo! Somebody help me lift him up tonight. <laughs>